Appreciate it. Look at chapter 11 and verse number 1. The Bible says that it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, When you pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, for we forgive everyone that is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend, and shall go unto him at midnight, and say unto him, Friend, I need some bread. <laughs> you know, I've just come into some peanut butter, and I need bread. Friend, lend me three loaves. You are not praying hard enough. They're coming. They're in my mind. Friend, lend me three loaves. Look at verse 6. For a friend of mine in his journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Go away, trouble me not. The door is now shut, and my children are in the, with me in the bed. I cannot rise and give thee. <clears throat> Look at these words. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give to him, because he is his friend, yet because of his inopportunity or importunity, says he will rise and give him as he... Uh, as many as he needeth. It says, and I say unto you, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give for him, give a, says, for a fish, give him a serpent? Or if he asks an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? And then Jesus concludes and says, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Father, we thank you. We ask you, Lord, to please help us to understand the scriptures today and understand what we're seeing or what we're reading. Lord, and apart from the Holy Spirit of God giving us that understanding, Lord, it's not just a mental understanding of the scriptures today. All scripture is inspiration. It's breathed by you. And so, Lord, it's not a mental understanding that we need as though we're reading a novel or though we're reading a book or a story. But God, it's a spiritual understanding that we need more than anything. Help, Lord, our minds to understand in our hearts what we need to hear. God, we ask you that you just please, as Brother Brandon has already prayed, Lord, as we pray all the time, only you can do the work. Only you can do the moving, Lord. Only your hand is the one that's powerful enough to heal, to save, and to mend. And, Lord, I ask you that your presence would be here today. In Jesus' name, we ask it all. Amen. If, you're, if you stop for a moment and kind of give time, just for a little bit, let's give time to kind of set the scene, <clears throat> to kind of bring us into play with what's going on. I told you that Jesus over 25 times prayed in the Gospels. 25 times we understand that he was praying. One of the best prayers, if you want to write it down, if you're writing study notes or if you uh, uh, have the Bible app today, the U version, our study notes are on there. You can go and look and click event. Uh, I did leave blanks there so that you'd have to fill out some things and stuff. But if you wanted to kind of follow along today with that so you can have them at home, that'd be awesome. But in your study notes somewhere, write down John chapter 17. All the whole chapter. If you want to understand what 
true intimacy is and real powerful uh, 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 words and the way that you speak and the way that we should interact with God, you'll see Jesus in John chapter 17 speaking to his father. And in that prayer, it's really broke down in like three different categories. It's broke down where he's praying. First of all, he prays for the disciples the Lord's given him. Then he turns around and he prays for the disciples or the believers that would come after. That's you and I. He prayed for us before he even knew us. And then the last thing, he prayed for himself. Jesus didn't start out by being selfish and praying for his own needs. He started out by praying for the disciples that they would become one as he and his father are one and that they would love one another like he and his father love one another. And then he said, I pray for all those believers to become one like you and I are one, Lord. And then he began to lay out his need. John 17 is a beautiful, beautiful picture of how we ought to be praying. And in today's message, if you're looking at all of those scriptures and you see that beginning phrase there in verse 1 where it says that it came to pass... I think that we have to learn how to pray. I think that if we look at this, that we need to do just as the, just as the disciples and say, Lord, we need help in our prayer life. You know, sometimes we come and the only time, please don't let me offend you, but the only time that we're ever really pausing for prayer, <clears throat> most every time, is some people in your Christian life is when they come to church. That's when they actually pause for prayer. Now, I'm not talking about the gathering hands and let's pray over our food and we thank God for his many blessings and, and now I'll lay me down to sleeps and do things like that. But I'm saying that we're actually asking God, just pausing for a moment and to speak to him and have a relationship conversation. And so many times it's fast. So many times we go, oh, no, I didn't get to pray today. And so we're driving to work and we're going, Lord, just please be with us today. Get out of the way. You know, Lord, just please watch over and protect my family and be with them. Move, moron! You know, you can't always pray that way. Y'all understand? Y'all think that I don't know y'all's prayers. I know your prayers, okay? And you're doing that on the interstate, and you're blowing the horn, and you're mad at somebody, and you got a fish symbol on the back, and they have no idea that you're a Christian by the way that you're driving or, or you telling them that they're number one. And so all this stuff's going on in our lives, and then we get to work, and then the boss or our instructors or whatever's going on, even at school, we're just boom, 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 boom. And then stop for a moment. Seriously, when this week did you just stop everything, phone, television, family, everything, and just pray. Like literally just took some time and said, Lord, it's devoted to you. No distractions, no other thing. And I'm not trying to beat you up. I'm trying to get you to understand that that's why many days we walk around powerless. We walk around without the strength that we need from the Lord. It's because we haven't paused and said, Lord, this is the prayer time I'm going to devote to you. And it may be five minutes, and it may be ten minutes, and it may be an hour. But let me say something to you. Those that pray for an hour are no more powerful than those that are in sincere prayer for five minutes. If you start and you pray and you seek God, it's not about the time itself. It's about you spending time with the Lord. And so many times people come up to me, especially brand new believers, and they go, we don't know how to pray. I don't, I don't know what to say to him. I don't know how to talk to him and stuff. And then you begin to get in this pattern where you are this Christian for X amount of years, two years, three years, five years, ten years, and you have no prayer life. You must, you must have a prayer life. And I don't want to say today, you got to pray, you got to pray, you got to pray. What I want to say today is, Lord, let us look at your kind of example and your prayer life. And Lord, let that make us hungry 
and thirsty for that kind of prayer life. Let us have that same thing. And so looking at it all, it's not that prayer was some kind of new concept, that when Jesus was born, then all the disciples looked at him and went, wow, this guy's praying, and so it's a new thing. Look throughout all of the Old Testament, and these Jewish men, some of these Jewish fishermen that grew up on the shores of Galilee, they understood prayer. Peter himself, Peter's house was literally like right next door to the synagogue there in Capernaum. And if you think about it, they constantly knew what prayer was. They were the people that uh, they, they quoted the, the Hallel during the, during the festival months, they, during the Hanukkah and the lighting of the candles, during all of these things, all of the feasts of booths, the feast of tabernacles, the, uh, uh, the feast of the of the unleavened bread and the feast of the uh, wave offerings and all of these things they did, they were constantly standing up in all of the synagogue and even outdoors as they did the offerings and they would quote and recite these prayers. But what happens is this right here. Because we are creatures of habit and we are creatures of tradition, even to the point where you change things about services, service times, the way that you do things. Most Baptists, most other people in Christianity, they don't like it. There's many people that do not believe that we can worship God unless it is at 11 o'clock on Sunday. There's only time we can worship him. When we're supposed to be worshiping him all of the time, right? There are sometimes people get into the habit of that Sunday school has to be here. Worship has to be here. Brandon has to sing three songs. I don't know why he has skimped us in singing two songs. You know, and we have to have an invitation. The invitation must be every single Sunday just as I am. It's got to be that way. It's got to be this. And we, because why? Because we're, we're habit people. We're, we're comfortable with our traditions and stuff. And prayer easily gets that way prayer easily becomes all right everybody let's gather together and we're going to pray our father which art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come even to the point a while ago when i was reading that scripture some of you immediately in your mind you did this i know you did you went that ain't right when i was quoting it y'all went that ain't, that ain't right he's where, what is Steve reading from a different translation? No, he didn't. That's not the way it's supposed to be quoted. Give us day by day our daily bread. It's supposed to be give us this day our daily bread, you know. And it's supposed to end. And thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Where is he reading from? And you know why we thought that? It's because we're creatures of tradition. And it's because we no longer understand that that was a template laid out for us and not a prayer that has to be repeated all the time. It's no different than this. Do you really understand anymore? All of us that have been citizens of the United States so long, do you really understand anymore? I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. Do we really understand it anymore? Or do we, in routine, when we're told to stand, salute, and pledge, and then in the same monotone voice, all of us in unison do it exactly the same way. I mean, no one ever goes, I pledge allegiance to that flag of the United States of America. No, it's always everyone, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, right? Everyone does it in the same way, even to the point where it is one nation under God. There's no comments, one nation under God. But everybody, ask Greg, they all go, one nation under God indivisible and we're robotic about it because of tradition you know the other day i wasn't going to use the illustration and i i said it this morning and but the other day we had out our last outdoor service at the end of the service i had this bright idea to bring a custodian up on the stage and sing a song with us 
When I did that request, I thought this could go bad or this could be good. But when he came and sang, I didn't know that we were going to take I Fly Away, which is a hymnal, southerny kind of song, and turn it into this alternative punk song where we're screaming it and we're, we're doing it like, <laughs> I'm not going to do it. Uh, if he was here, he would be doing it with us. If he's watching at home, I promise you he's screaming it right now. But somebody came to me after that was over with, because when he did that, when Brent sang out and he was going, I saw the light, I was going, mm-hmm. I was just playing. And I was going, that guy's crazy. When it was over with, somebody came up and they said to me, I think that guy saw the light, you know. And they were meaning it jokingly and stuff like that. But, you know, when you stop and think about it, if what, why don't we sing like that? What, I'm not talking about the style. But why don't we sing with passion? Do people know when we sing? Do people know when we pray that it is a prayer from the heart and not just a prayer that we know or we're repeating? And that's what happens. See, even in the Lord's Prayer, we have used it so much, even in our sporting events, that we gather together and we go, all right, everybody, let's pray that God protect us. And then all of a sudden they go into our Father Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And they think for some reason by saying that prayer that that's going to invoke the blessings of God on their basketball or their football game. And they don't realize that in the other locker room on the other side, they're over there going, forgive us this day (laughs) of our debts as we forgive those who are indebted us and they're saying the same thing it's not a prayer of invoking because it's a special formulated prayer the bible teaches us that it came to pass that we should learn some certain things the things that jesus wants us to see in this scripture is not the simple words in the template that's found in verses two through verse number four it's not the certain pattern although we'll talk about that but there's other things that we should be seeing in this scripture and we'll miss it sometimes because all we can see is that portion of our father which art in heaven first thing i want you to see about prayer if you're writing things down and i hope that you do is that you need if you want to be a person of prayer you need a place you need to have a certain place of prayer a certain place and what I mean by that is that it could be in the corner of a coffee shop it could be in the closet of your house because we know how Christians are we we wait for the newest Christian movie to come out to fire us up and then we we watch war room and we watch her praying and we go home and clean all of our closet out so we can pray in our closet what what I'm trying to say is is that you need a place there needs to be every single day of your life a specific place that you do and I don't mean that in the sense of that if you go oh no I didn't get to go to my place this morning you know and maybe your place is at your office it's at your desk it may be in your car wherever it is I'm saying is that you should take time out to make a place for prayer you should place prayer in your life the Bible says in verse number one and as he was praying in a certain place Jesus was very very routine about praying He was very much that he had a place. Even the scriptures say, Dad, that it says that he prayed while he was on the cross. He prayed while he was in the Garden of Gethsemane when he was in suffering. He prayed in mountaintops of the Golan Heights. He prayed in the mountaintops of the Tiberias side of the Sea of Galilee. Jesus prayed all the time. All the time he would pray. He would pray excuse me, in his weakness times and all of that and come back strengthened. But then if you look at it, The Bible says that when Jesus that night was going to be betrayed, that he went to a place that he often resorted to. And it is in the valley, the Kidron Valley. There was a garden there called the Garden of Gethsemane, Gethsemane. 
It was full of these olive trees, and it had an olive press there. That's why the name Garden of Gethsemane, Gethsemane, means olive press. And so they called it that garden because there was an olive press that was in that garden. And I can remember going there years ago, and they really talked about everything, you know, as far as Jesus and how he had walked here. And, and actually, when you would go to these olive trees, it was amazing. These olive trees are really, really cool. Olive trees are a lot like uh, uh, American Christians or American Baptists. They, you know, they're not like the oak trees and the pine trees here in the state of Alabama that get large, they get tall and branch out. No, they're, they're much like us. They just get fatter and fatter and fatter, and, and they branch off a little bit. Y'all didn't like that. That's all right. You know, remember, you have to insert there lord help me love steve and uh, that was our prayer for the day but they do and so these olive trees when you walk up to them they're a lot like the the southern people that we know today that are like five foot eight and yeah and, and you know what i mean they're there's they're large in life and so you walk up to these trees and they're like six foot tall to eight foot tall but yet they're wide they're huge they're wide because constantly these shoots are falling off and and they'll bring them up and they'll graft them back on and the branches grow and then they'll graft them back on and they continue to grow they said that in the garden of gethsemane that there are trees that they are dating all the way back that actually could have been there when jesus walked through the garden of gethsemane so you know what i did i walked through the whole garden touching them all I was making my rounds. I wanted to be able to say, I walked where he walked, right? I didn't have to, but I was glad to get to go over there and to do that. And so Jesus, and, and I was imagining the whole time I was there, what he talked about. The whole time I was there, I was imagining, did he pray over here? I like to go over here and pray. Did he pray over here? We lean down upon this rock that has been smoothed out by the hands that have touched it, thousands of hands that have touched it. Thousands and thousands of drops of anointing oil that had touched it. And I can remember when they said that this could have been the rock where Jesus had sought the Lord, you know, and it goes with your velvet paintings of Jesus at home with the wonderful soft light glowing upon his face and all that, which is nowhere near of what happened in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was in great agony and great sorrow, so much that his sweat were like great drops of blood, and he was crying out for his father. And I can remember kneeling down. You had to kneel down to touch that rock, and we were going to have prayer time, and Dad was to my right. and we, I knelt down, and we had to lean over because they had like this gate that was around her to this stuff, this wrought iron stuff that was over it. And I can remember leaning down and putting my hand down there and praying. And the whole time, and that stuff was digging into my arms. And, and then I didn't realize it until I actually stopped praying and ceased my prayer. And I looked. It was a crown of thorns. It was thorns out of that wrought iron that was all over it. And I was like, man... The suffering that he went through in prayer. But Jesus found time. He found places to insert prayer. He even found time for prayer where he said, I am not talking to you, Lord, because I directly need to be talking to you. But I said all of these things for their benefit. And he was praying. And when he talked to the Lord, evidently, he talked out loud to the Lord. He spoke things out before the Lord. And we know that the Lord also spoke out loud about his son by saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. So we need a place of prayer that is distraction-free. It needs to be without cell phones. It needs to be without television. It needs to be without all other kinds of things because you need that time that you pray. Please don't just use this prayer journal and this prayer guide for 40 days just to get like just moments in, but let it be your constant prayer throughout the day. Let it be the one that's prayer without ceasing. The Bible says in verse number 11 also, or verse uh, number one of chapter 11 also, that Jesus told them they needed a certain place for prayer, but 
but they needed a practice. They needed to have a practice of praying. And I'm trying to put these things together in this way, not because it's intelligent or it's smooth sounding, just so we can remember them. We need our place, but we need to practice it. The Bible says in verse number one, it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, that he ceased. Jesus constantly prayed and closed his prayer, opened his prayer, closed his prayer. Over and over and over, Jesus did that. And we need to have more practice of our prayers than just when we meet together. We need to have more time of prayer than just when we're eating together. We need to have a practice in prayer. And practice means this, is that we learn how to talk. The disciples looked at Jesus and said, Lord, teach us to pray. So something was going on in those men's lives that they thought, well, evidently we're not praying the right way. And prayer, we have in the Old Testament, the prayer of Isaiah, the prayer of Daniel, the prayer of Nehemiah, the prayer of Ezra, the prayer of Asa. Some of these things we're going to be bringing out toward the end of this year and stuff, you know, coming in in the next few weeks. All of these prayers, the prayers of Hosea, all the wonderful prayers of Ruth, Boaz, all of these, they're all in the Bible. So these guys knew prayer. Peter, even if he didn't attend the synagogue because he lived close to it, he knew what prayer was because they would stand and pray. And Jesus never, never commanded them to pray. But Jesus always warned them about prayer. Do you remember what Jesus told them about prayer? Before they ever asked about, Lord, teach us to pray, he said the Pharisees love to stand in the tall seats of the synagogue and pray. He said they loved to stand out in the marketplaces. And what was so cool about in those days is that in every city that Rome had touched in Israel, every Roman city that the the empire of Rome had touched in any, any area of this world, they always had this one fixated road right through the middle of it all that they called the Roman Cardo. That Roman Cardo, as it came through the middle, it was supposed to be a highway or a thoroughfare kind of thing. And even some of the ones in Bethshean and Israel and stuff, you could see the chariot wheel grooves that were in the stones that were paved out for that Roman Cardo. And Jesus said that the philosophers and even the Pharisees loved to stand in that Roman Cardo and they liked to stand in the marketplaces because Roman people were smart. Almost like a flea market, but they were very smart. They were the ones that invented that highway and along the sides of that they would build these porches with these huge, beautiful Corinthian columns and then they would cover them over with wood and then they would have tarps or they would have uh, linen over that and all down that main road when you came into those cities, They had all kinds of imports and exports, all kinds of sales and all that. So the philosophers and the Pharisee religious leaders, they knew that in order to reach people, we need to go to where the people are. So they would go to these marketplaces and Jesus says, when you pray, don't be as the Pharisee and pray openly in the marketplaces to be seen of men. He says, but I tell you to go into your prayer closet. You remember that? You know why? Because Jesus was always trying to refresh and encourage the disciples to pray. But he always tried to remind them that it was never to be seen of all men. Even one time Jesus said, listen, there are two men that went to the temple to pray. He said one was a publican and one was a Pharisee. He said the Pharisee began his prayer by saying, Lord, I am thankful that I tithe of all the goods that I have. 
Oh, look at me. And the Pharisee said, Lord, I'm thankful that I fast twice during the week, which is supposed to be something between you and God Almighty. And he began to brag about those things. But it says, Jesus said, but the publican that came in for prayer could not so much as lift his head up, but yet he began to strike or smote his chest, his breast. And he said, Lord, be merciful unto me, a sinner. He said, which one of those went away justified? And you understand that we know the one that went away justified was the one that prayed justly. It isn't the thing, listen to me, we shouldn't make our bumper stickers and put all the phrases in our houses and stuff like that, that we need to just pray. Prayer's not like, okay, just pray, like, okay, it's the last thing that we do. No, we need to turn that around. We need to pray justly. We need to learn how to pray the right way. Justly means that we would learn and understand how to do it correctly. That we would learn that prayer time is not a name it, claim it, blab it, grab it, spit it, get it kind of thing. That it's not this time where you come in and you go, oh God, here's all my needs. And Lord, I know, you know, I've been good this year and I want all this stuff. And you lay it out and you just kind of like blah, 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 blah. And it isn't all that thing of, of Lord, give me this, give me that. Or Lord, uh, uh, I need you now, but you know, later on I'm not going to need you. That's not prayer time. And Jesus constantly tried to show an example before them that they needed to have a practice time of prayer. Listen, I'm not going to, uh, I hope I won't offend any of you. If I offended anybody, it would be Patty, Patty and I. But talking earlier about this, we, men and women don't know how to communicate with one another a lot. Any, any man in here want to amen that for anybody? No, nobody. There's one, one, one bold person here. Any of you ladies would love to amen the fact that your husband just doesn't understand you when you're trying to tell him something? Anybody? Now, now we're talking. Okay. Listen, we got books that talk about is it men are from Mars and women are from Venus and all this stuff. And, and, and one of the things that I was sharing, I, I would use Brother Brandon as an illustration. And I said, you know, if, if Brandon and Mary are having problems, and they're not having problems, y'all having problems? They're not having problems. Okay, if, if they're having problems, you know, and Patty goes, hey, you know, they're, 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 they're having problems and stuff. Hey, we need to pray for them. You need to, maybe you need to talk to Brandon. And I understand what that is. I've been married long enough to go, what that means is, is that maybe you should call him, text him, or do whatever, but you need to get on the ball and find out what's wrong with him, right? So if, if it's a phrase of uh, maybe you should check on him, that means all of those other things, okay, underlining things. And so this is what I do. The first thing I normally do, I would call or I'd text him. i go, hey, man, you busy or something like that? And he'll go, yep, I'm doing this right here. And I'll go, okay. And I'll go, hey, are you all right? And he, he goes, yep, Y-U-P, yep. And I go, okay. That's the end of my conversation. I am done Brandon says he's fine, he's okay, he's all right. I come back, Greg is laughing because he knows. I come back and Patty goes, well, did you find out what's wrong? Brandon said everything was good. What do you mean, what did he say? He said, yep. <laughs> well, well, what did he say about Mary? Me and Mary talked for like three hours. Three hours? I talked to him in one text. Yeah, Brandon says she's got the problem. Mary West, she's at home now. He didn't say that in the first service when Mary was sitting on the front. But this is all being recorded, and if you'd like to share it with Miss Mary after this service, you could do so at nhbcfamily.com. But that is it. That's the truth. I go, hey, you all right? And they go, yep, I'm good. You get the yep and a thumbs up a lot of times. You know what I mean? And sometimes you get an emoji winking at you or something. And women are like, it's like, and everything. And because, and I'm not making fun, they're detailed. 
They're very detailed. I don't need the detail. I just need to know if you're all right. I mean, and if you say I'm all right, then I trust that you're all right. If you lied about it, then you lied, right? Right? So then, then you look at it and, and, and we go, we try to communicate with our spouses. And, and if she's that way and we're this way, then our facial expressions, men, of that ain't getting it. That's not communicating. That's not marriage counseling class today, but that's not communicating. You know, you ever see these guys and their wives are trying to tell them something important and it's just like, just going on and on and on. And that guy's phone goes off and it goes, dun, 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 and he starts sweating like, oh, he ha- something's happened on the game. And I have to see, the, you know. And now, thanks to eye watches, they go, oh. They scored, you know. And we're not communicating. And in that same way, people are doing that same thing in their prayer time. Is that we, we don't know how to approach him. And we don't know how to talk to him. And so what do we have to do? We have to practice. I know this is very foolish. And I told you to pray that I wouldn't have foolish thoughts. But I know it's very crazy. But it even drives me back to an old... Uh, uh, Andy Griffith episode about the couple that couldn't get along with one another and they were always fighting and Andy Griffith had to come in there and to teach them how to say good morning to one another you know and he would say good morning dear and she would go good morning dear and but when they would leave they'd throw pots and pans and everything else at each other and what he was trying to do was to get them to practice that so many of you if you if you really hear my heart so many of us in prayer time because it didn't happen in a certain way that somebody in church testified that it happened for them, or because it wasn't like this huge, like, royal telephone kind of experience deal, then all of a sudden we want to stop practicing it because we feel like he didn't understand us or he didn't answer us or we didn't feel anything in the prayer that we prayed when you have to practice prayer. You have to learn how to approach, how to speak, you need to learn the fact that you get to speak to him, not just as uh, a friend, but we're going to talk about it in a minute in a different way. So what the Lord did at this time is that he knew that they need to understand the practice of prayer. And they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Jesus turns around and says, well, let me show you a pattern. Let me show you a template because you also have to have that kind of pattern in your prayer. And look at what he says in verse number two. He says, and he said unto them, when you pray, Say it this way, our Father which art in heaven, holy, hallowed, sacred is your name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done as in heaven, so on earth. Give us day by day our daily bread. And Lord, forgive us of our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And when you think about that, where he said, Lord, teach us to pray, or the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray, This was not Jesus' prayer. This was Jesus' template for disciples to talk to the Father. It could not be Jesus' prayer that he prayed to the Father because there was no sin in him to ask forgiveness of sin or no indebtedness that he would ask to be forgiven of that debt. So he's giving us a template of how we can practice this. And what he's showing us in our practice is that when we come, we need to pray with a certain thought of where we are in that prayer. We need to pray with a certain mindset of praise and thanksgiving unto him and how holy he is to even 
even hear what we are requesting. And so Jesus lays out a certain pattern. But like I said, it's not this prayer that you can just repeat it and say it and that it invokes all the blessings of God. It no more will do that than me telling you today, if you say the exact same thing that I say right now in my prayer for salvation, if you say and repeat it, don't mess the words up, and you say it with me, then you're saved because you repeated that prayer. No one is saved because they repeated a prayer. We are saved because what's going on inside the heart actually comes out of the mouth in prayer. But is it good to help people learn how to pray when they're young or when they're lost and leave? them in a prayer of salvation. I believe it's a wonderful thing to help them, but they also must know that just because you repeated it, it doesn't mean that you're saved. Just because you stand in the garage doesn't make you a Lamborghini, right? It doesn't do that. And just because you want to play major football, major league football, that doesn't mean because you put a jersey on that you're on the team. And just because you say it in a certain way, or our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, that doesn't mean that that's true prayer. It's got to boil up from the heart. Something has to be stirred up inside and then it comes out. And that's why, listen, Jesus said, listen, you must have a practice of prayer and I'll show you a layout. I'll show you a template, but do not just stay in this template all the time. Your children, parents, listen to me. If your children are praying with you over the food and they say, you know, God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. By his hands, we are fed. What does it say? Thank you, Lord, for daily bread. Amen, right? If they're praying that prayer, that's wonderful because you are being an example and you're teaching them the habit and what? The practice of prayer. But they must move from that prayer to praying what they know. If you ever want to hear real prayer, if you ever want to hear someone who is reaching heaven, go to children's church. You go out there with those little kids that all they know is truth and just prayer and listen to what they pray about. Sometimes it's funny, but every time it's honest, every single time. And that's what we need to do. We don't need to just be satisfied with just praying. We need to be earnest in praying justly. He said you need the right pattern when you pray. So he gave us a template. But here's the best thing. There's, these last things are what I wanted to preach on more than anything. But listen, we need to have a certain position of prayer. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean, Brother Steve, that we have to do it like this? That that's our prayer? Or that on our knees is our only prayer? Do we have to do it that way? No, that's not what I'm talking about in position of prayer. Jesus is the one that showed him. Listen to what he said in verse number 5. And he said unto them, he said, which of you have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight and say unto him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine is on a journey or excuse me, in mine is in his journey is come to me and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, go away. What are you doing here at midnight asking for bread? He said, trouble me not. And wouldn't you like to have this on your door? The door's now shut, Right? Trouble me not, the door is now shut. My children are in bed, or with me in bed, and I cannot rise to give thee. Look what he says, I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him, because he is a friend, yet because of his importunity or his great need, he said he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. He said, and I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. 
For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Look at these words. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him, uh, for a fish, give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? He says, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? If you look at this scripture, he's saying you need to understand your position in prayer. I love, I love our church app. I love our Realm Connect. It keeps people kind of connected and stuff. There are times that people have asked me, Brother Steve, I can't comment on certain posts that you put on there. And I go, that's because I put allow no comments. You know what I mean? Because there are just so many. We put a prayer request out there. Within minutes, we have 10 to 12 little emojis like this. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Look, I'm not making fun. Y'all know what I'm talking about. We get the emojis. Well, wait, wait a minute. We get heart, heart, emoji, heart, heart. You know what I mean? And we get those things. And I don't have the heart to tell everybody that that emoji is like a slapping high fives and really not the prayer emoji anyway, okay? But anyway, we have that little emoji that's on there because we're an emoji kind of nation and stuff. And I also try to tell everybody that that's chocolate ice cream, but that's a different story of the emoji bunch. But look, y'all don't like my stuff today. Y'all are not praying hard enough. But when you think about all of that stuff, we're praying. And I love it because people comment and they put that, I'm praying, praying, praying. And, and you know, I always want to go on there, good, because I just asked you to. You know, just joking around and kind of ribbing with people. But I love the church app. I love how that we can do that. And in position of our prayer, it doesn't mean that, okay, I've got to have it like this, or I've got to be in my place, because Brother Steve said it, it was his first point, we have to have a place, and if I'm not there, then I can't pray. What I'm talking about is your approach and how you come to him. Your position in prayer is the most important thing that you'll ever hear right now today in the service. Your position in prayer is that you're not coming to the Lord and asking all these things in friendship, but you're coming in kinship and sonship and daughtership. You're, you're getting an opportunity to come and talk to the Father because immediately as Jesus laid out the template of prayer, what did he say? When you pray, pray this, Our Father which art in heaven, not which is on Mahaffey Road, but our Father which is in heaven. And then Jesus lays out this, and he shows them, Brother Bill, their position. He says, let me ask you a question. Love the way Jesus does stuff. Don't you love the way Jesus always, he is the greatest teacher of all teachers. Whenever something heavenly needed to be taught, he went over there and he said, y'all see those sowers? Let me share something with you. You know what I mean? And he, show, he shared about sowing seeds and the wayside and the stony ground and the thorns and all that stuff. And he's always been the greatest teacher. And you look at this, he's trying to teach us again. He said, let me ask you something. He said, how many of you that have a friend, which he was assuming that any of those people had some kind of friend, he said, if your friend comes at midnight to your house knocks on your door and says hey man I got another friend that's coming over and I don't have anything to feed him and I need help can you give me three loaves of bread he said and you begin to say with inside you know hey leave me alone go away the door is now shut and I'm in the bed already and the kids are all, you know what it means when the kids are all around right you know what that means I know the Burnses know what I'm talking about it means this that they're already asleep and if I move the little things will wake up that's what it means, like the monsters will come back alive, and I've already got them to sleep, and I am not moving. I mean, if I move, they'll go, hey, you know, and he said, they're already in the bed. He said, but, in that scripture, he says, not because he is a friend, 
but because of his great need, you will help him. So many times we think when we pray as God being our friend, and he is your friend. Listen, he's, he's a friend. But we think that he hears us because of friendship, but it's not. It's because of our relationship with him. It's not just our friendship. And so it's what he was showing right off the bat. He was saying, you need to get that out of your mind. He said, he's not answering you because you're a friend, but it's because of your great need that you have. And he said, so I tell you, he said, ask, seek, knock, and all these things. He said, and the one that asks will find, the one that seeks will find. He says, the one that knocks, it shall be opened unto him. And then he turns around and he gets to the meat of what he's about to share with us about position in prayer. And he says this. He says, as a matter of fact, how many of you that have an earthly father that if a son come up to him and ask him for bread, how many of the earthly fathers would you know that would give him a rock? If, if a son come up, ask for a fish, some meat to eat, how many of you know of a dad here on earth that would give his son a snake instead of giving him a fish or give him a scorpion instead of giving him the other things that he needed? How many of you know anybody like that? And then all of a sudden, Jesus has got their attention. He, he's got a hold of their mind because they wanted to know how to pray like Jesus did, and he's got them now. And he says what? He says, how much more? He says, if you being evil know how to good gifts unto your children, he said, how much more will your earthly, I mean, your heavenly father give unto you the Holy Spirit? He's saying, how much more will God, through the Holy Spirit, supply all of your needs, even according to the great riches that are in Christ Jesus? And he moves into that place, and that's what we've got to understand. We don't come to God in sonship or daughtership and claim it and, and grab it and all that stuff and go, God, this is mine. You, I'm your child, and you said I could have it. I mean, you don't go, you don't, you don't get the opportunity to go to Dewey Barber and lay your hands on the $73,000 Tahoe and go, you, God, you've told me that I can call the things that are not the things that are. That's not my car, but I call it mine now, right? That's mine. I claim it right now. I, I've laid my hands all over. I'm doing all of that stuff. What it's talking about in that scripture is talking about having great faith in the Lord to trust in him that he will supply for you, but it's not for you to pitch fits in your prayer time and go, Lord, you said I could have it, and so I'm going to get it, and you're going to give it to me. That is not what he said. He said these words, ask, seek, and knock. He didn't say demand. He didn't say claim. He didn't say lay hold of. He said, ask the Lord, seek the Lord, and knock, and it would be opened unto you. And too many times, our fervent prayers sometimes are nothing more than fits. Because we don't understand. We think our sonship, our daughtership, our kinship to the Lord gives us rights to speak to him that way. And it doesn't give any of us the right to speak to the Lord that way. It, it puts us into the position of understanding that Father, our Father, which is in heaven, you're holy. You're holy. And I know according to your word, you're concerned with me. That you have thoughts toward me. That you know what I'm going through. Even before I ask, you know everything about me. It gives us the wonderful privilege, not right, but privilege to go, Lord, God, my Father, you know my heart is broken. You know that I'm crushed in my spirit. 
you know that I'm weak. It gives you the opportunity and the wonderful privilege to go, Lord, you know what the doctors, the nurses, the people, the specialists, all these people have said. So I take everything. And dad, father, my father, I give it all to you. You don't have that in any other religion in all of the world to come as sons and daughters other than Christianity. You have that in him right now. And that's our position. And if that's our position, it reminds me, I'm going to close in just a minute, but it's going to, it reminds me, last night we, I did a wedding in Maplesville, which is this side of Mayberry. We drove all the way down there for the practice rehearsal. We went back yesterday and we did the wedding. And, you know, you do the ceremony and oh, how beautiful it is and the bride is beautiful and all these things that are done, the rings and the vows and stuff. But last night, one of the, the most intimate things besides the you can kiss your bride, you know, and I, I like to, play, I said you can kiss your bride for a short amount of time, but um, you can kiss your bride. That's one of those intimate things, a husband and wife finally, and they kiss him for the first time. But the most intimate thing I, I've really ever seen last night uh, or in a wedding happened last night, it was after it was all over with. And um, they did the dance, you know, and they danced with their mamas and all that stuff. And, uh, and so then he gets over here at the guitar and he says, I, I've got a surprise and I'm going to sing a song for my wife. And I leaned over to Patty and I went, this could go horribly wrong or it could be really nice. Let's just wait and see. And the guy's phone beside me went, da-na-na, da-na-na, you know. It's a, and he puts her right in the middle, center ring. Most women wouldn't want to be put there. And the lights are there, the spotlight's on her. And he starts singing this song. And she just bows her head, and she's just crying. And then she looks up, and she's singing with him, and she's crying again. And, and it was just like nobody else in the whole fellowship hall or, or life center building, no one else was there to them. Nobody was around. Those two were connected together, locked eyes. He's trying not to cry. He's looking at her, and he's singing. She's taking it in. And after it was over on the way home, we had plenty of time to talk about it. And I told Patty, I said, that's what prayer is supposed to be. I said, they totally tuned everybody else out. And there were people doing this. There were people with their phones. Because, you know, we, we're the kind of people today that we can't go without any, you know, proof of it all. And so they got phones and videos and people are talking and all this. And, and, I, and I'm watching them. Those two people, they didn't care who was around. I mean, it was like fireworks could have been going off beside them and they were, they were tuned in. And that's what prayer's like. And I told her, I said, I imagine myself as being the one that the Lord is singing to in my prayer time. Is that I'm just just kind of just so overwhelmed with him as I try to listen for his voice. And he's trying to teach me truth and trying to help me and trying to uh, teach me how to walk and guidance for the church and for the people of North Highland and everything else. And I was just sitting there. I was amazed. I was like, God, is my prayer time really like that? You know what I mean? Because most of us, if we're honest, our prayer time is that if some of the smallest things go off, it distracts us and we're totally blown. And then we get back and go, Lord, I'm sorry, I'll I, I get back with you. And we're talking again. And then something else comes up. Hang on, Lord. And then we get to that. And then we, prayer should be intimate time that you have with the Lord. Communication. What they shared as a wedding couple, married husband and wife last night, in that was more intimate than anything that they could have ever shared together and anything that they can ever share together because it, they were one, they were connected in that moment. 
And I'm asking you, is your prayer like that? Because if it is, that's where you're going to find all the power that you need in your life. You're going to have that certain wonderful power in prayer. You know, there's a song that says, A bed holds a body and it's passing in pain. The doctors have tried, but hope seems in vain. Oh, but wait, someone's praying. And in the midst of the gloom, all at once the great physician steps into the room. Oh, there's power in prayer, power to spare. All that you'll ever need is waiting right there. A few words and a child's faith and all of that stuff, all of the things that go away. And it's goodbye despair cause there's power, so much power and in intimacy and power in prayer. That's what you can have every day. Every single day you can find that. Look at what he says in verse 1. It says, and it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place when he stopped, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray. And as I was studying this weeks ago, that's the only portion of the scripture that really I got hung up on the most. Like really, really, it was like just stirring up in my heart. And Brother Craig, I was sitting there and I was thinking about how many times they had heard Jesus pray. But in that day, something, there was a bell that went off, something struck, and they were like, I want to pray like that. I want to pray like that. When Jesus prays, he doesn't pray like a Pharisee to be seen of people. When he prays, he doesn't pray like a Pharisee bragging on his things. And even, even all of it, he doesn't pray like all of these other people in repetitionist ways. They were like, when he prays, it's, like, it's almost like he's talking to somebody that he knows. It really struck a chord with them to the point where they said, Lord, teach us how to pray. Teach us to pray, which means we must be taught. And here's the last thing. Here's the words that got me. It came to pass. It came to pass. When I got saved years ago, I didn't know exactly how to talk to him. I had pastors and friends trying to help me, and you know what you would do. The exact same thing that I did. You hear people pray, and what do you do? You, you start picking up on how they would address the Lord. You know what I mean? Most people, when they would come, Brother Nick, and we used to do the offering plates and stuff like that, and before everybody has all this junk, you know, and we'd pass around. You'd call on one of those guys, you'd say, will you pray for us? And, and before long, they'd listen to another one. You know what I mean? They'd listen to the other guy, and they'd begin to pray, and they, they'd pick up on those things. But I can tell you that my prayer life never really, really got intimate with God until some of my greatest needs and some of my greatest trials came along. When I really, really needed Him the most and got really to the point where I was at my wit's end, my prayers became real. And my prayers became real because of my need. And that's what the Bible tells us. He said he didn't answer that man because he was his friend, but because of his importunity, his great need, he went out and he gave him the loaves. And just because you have that great need one time and you're intimate and you're passionate in that prayer, that doesn't mean that you can go backwards after that need is answered and that you just kind of go, okay, I'll, I'll get back with you the next time I have something go on. Now, what it means is you learn. 
that there's great power in prayer when you pray honestly and openly. You're able to come to him and say, Lord, everything about me, I need help. Every situation. And the Lord teaches you that you've got to give place, you've got to give practice. You have to come to him with a plan and that you know that position that he's your father. And then the last one is that then you'll find power and be intimate. Some of the most difficult conversations I've ever had with my wife were those ones that must be had. I had to have them. We were in arguments or we were talking about things we did not want to talk about that we wanted to put way over here. But I learned when I opened up and I shared and in truth, then I was able to do that. So last night on the way home, after thinking about that intimate prayer or intimate song that that man and that woman shared together, I looked over at my wife who'd been married 23 years and I asked her, I said, are there any things that you expect of me that I'm not doing? (laughs) That threw her way off. She's like, what are you talking about? I was like, is there expectations you have of me that you want me to do other than take the trash out? that I'm not doing? Is there any way that I can make our communication and stuff better? And she was like, this is what she did. Honestly, she said, I don't know. You expect something from me? (laughs) It's like, that's a loaded question, and I choose not to answer that. But what I was trying to get at was the same way that I, in my prayer, Lord, are there things that I need to be focused on more that I'm not doing? Are there expectancies that you have in my life because of being a Christian for so long? Or have I just become so routine in my everyday walk with you that my prayer time is real shallow and just kind of... Because, Lord, if it is, I'm sorry. Forgive me. And the whole ride home, that's what I was saying. Lord, please help me in my prayer time. And he just continued to bring that portion of that scripture up. It comes to pass. Your prayer life will grow. It will come to pass, come to pass. In other words, it means it will grow with every single day. That's why the Lord, mom said, the Lord said, day by day, give us our daily bread. God's going to want you to talk to him every single day. So the thing that I put at the end of my notes was simply this. How is your prayer life? When you talk with the Lord, when you lay out everything, what's your prayer life like? Do you have a place? Do you have a way that you talk to the Lord? Have you realized this morning that you have a position, you have a, you know, you're a son or you're a daughter of the Lord? I'm telling you, prayer is what you need. And if you're walking around in weakness, you're not walking in strength, it's because your prayer life is suffering. So I'll give you this opportunity this morning, just like we always do. Brandon's going to sing about coming back to the heart of worship. If you want to come this morning, you want to pray, or you want to turn right there where you are, you can pray, you can kneel down. But if you don't have that effectual, fervent, boiling prayer life, I don't don't know what else to do. I can't make you, but I hope that I can make you thirsty enough to have one. Lord, we thank you.